Howdy, fellow nerf herders. I like me a good old space western. I don't like having them spoiled by Bantha Poodoo yapping too much. The following is just two Mando-loving scoundrels talking about the show. So if and you don't want spoilers, then turn your tauntaun now and head back to base. So long and happy listening. Welcome back, Mando. I have spoken. I've never met a real Mandalorian. Heard stories. They're really good at killing. Find Ahsoka Tano. Tell her you were sent by Bo-Katan. This is the way. Well, welcome everybody back to another episode of This Is The Way, your one-stop shopping for all things Mandalorian. That's right. Maybe not maybe not all things, but for the majority of things, Mandalorian. For all things Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, we've got, okay. we got Beskar armor, we've got a spear over here, we've got um, your own sigil, you know, if you just want a tattoo. <laughs> we got your spear right here, his name is Paul Revere. <laughs> Oh, so yeah, we're back for another episode, and this is chapter 13, The Jedi. And man, what an episode. Man, if, if you have been, if, if you've been ignoring the spoiler warning at the beginning of this one, then, then don't do it for this episode, because holy cow, they just laid it all yeah. on the line this time. Yeah, uh, uh, just a, a whole bunch of information, so I hope you stick around with us. I hope we help you answer a few things. We'll probably open just as many more questions as possible as well, but I was uh, just really, really enjoying this episode. So I say we just jump on into it. What do you say, Danny? Yeah, yeah, I think that it deserves jumping on in. It's um, There we go. Now the door is closed. It's, it, <clears throat> it is absolutely worth just jumping on in and getting this whole thing started because, man, this, there's a lot to unpack with this episode. Yeah. So... Episode starts off where we're at Corbus, which is the planet that uh, Mando was told to go to, to find one Ahsoka Tano. And we're not even messing around here, man. This is, it opens up and this place is desolate, man. It looks terrible. Uh, but I do love the fact of we're kind of seeing something different again and, and, that's what I'm enjoying about this series more than anything else is we're not just running over the same places over and over like we're used to seeing with the movies and everything so we're at corvus and there's this village and it's got a big wall around it and right from the bat we got ahsoka tano out fighting all these faceless goons man just out in these dead trees kind of looks like a dried up marsh yeah just like everything in the mandalorian so far i mean every planet has been relatable but different you know it's it's not it's not like Coruscant, where where everything is kind of just weird technology everywhere. It, it's it's got wilderness, and this wilderness looks kind of like a I don't know, almost like a forest that's been desolated by a fire. Yeah, 
Not to mention those big creatures that are walking around back there. I don't, I don't have any idea what those are, but they're eating what's left of the trees. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I thought for a while, you know, for a minute I thought they were rancors, you know, because from a distance I couldn't see their front legs. Their front legs yeah. were kind of silhouetted, and, and I thought they were other trees. But, um, but yeah, there's they're some kind of weird grazing animal with giant mouths that eat trees whole. Now hold that image, though, man. Imagine a planet full of rancors running around eating your trees. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, I think rancors have carnivorous teeth, and they definitely ate slaves and stuff. But, you know, the right. um, the rancors just run around on Dathomir, I think, is where they live. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, Ahsoka Tano is just making hash meat out of these foot soldiers out here. A bunch of morons running around with some face mask on. I've lost vision. I mean, you know, they're, yeah. they're, they're, uh, they're pretty useless, but hey, you work with what you got, I guess. And man, I mean, she is living up to everything we've expected her to be so far. Yeah. Well, the build on her reveal was so much that it, yep. they, they had to do it right. And I think they did a great job of, of having her appear and just in an initial flurry of action, introducing her to the plot, you know, um, she also she's playing this cat and mouse game with all these guards in the woods and and she does the the Obi-Wan snap trick, you know, where she does the the yep. the her hand kind of twists and when she does there's a there's a snap off in the distance and of course they they bite, you know, they go run that way and and she just takes them out with her double lightsabers, man. It's, it's just awesome. Yeah. And I love the uh of course the the whole samurai feel of this too where you know, she does the swipe, and not only she does, she, does she kill this kind of foot soldier guy, but she also splits that tree, and she's standing motionless, but you see the tree fall in front of her. Yeah. It's like, man, it's so killer, man. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt that they that they definitely wanted to go, you know, partway gunslinger and partway samurai flick with this one. And, you know, yep. with with uh, The Magnificent Seven, we've seen that those two genres really play well together, and so it's kind of been a long time coming. Yeah. But long story short, Ahsoka Tano comes up to the front gate of this village, and we get to see our new bad people, our new bad guys for this movie. Uh, and one of them is Morgan Elizabeth. And we get a little story on her later on in the, in, in the episode of who she is, where she comes from. Um, but apparently all we need to know is she pretty much goes from planet to planet and they all pretty much end up looking like this one does, and she kills everybody off and just moves the next one. So basically, she's the tall man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's very much. Um, if you've ever watched um, Princess Mononoke, you know there's there's the bad guy in that who's kind of industry. You know, she she builds weapons and and hurts nature. And I don't know if that's what happened to the planet and why it's desolate or if it was like that before. But it kind of in the in the formative scenes, when they when they pan in, you see a factory off in the distance, like spouting uh, smoke. So it's very possible that it used to be a fairly flourishing thing. But definitely, the community that lives in the little gated city where she is, they're they're oppressed. They're afraid to talk to people and all yep. that. And she tells us, um, she tells Ahsoka, she says, "You know, look, is the information you want from me worth the lives of these citizens?" And she rolls out this guy, and it's pretty clear that. She's willing to kill him, and Ahsoka doesn't even bite. She's like, I'm not negotiating with you. If you choose to kill somebody, you choose to kill somebody. You'll kill him anyway. So right. I'm going to give you one day, and then I'll be back. And if I'm back, you got trouble. Right. 
So yeah, you like you gotta love that setup because she's calling her bluff on it. Like you said, you know, that's not gonna stop you from killing somebody because you're just that bad of a person to begin with. So we're kind of getting the background on this is a a person that utilizes anything and everything to get her advantage. And off to her side, we meet Lang, which is played by <laughs> the awesome Michael Bain, man. I, I When he came on the screen, I looked at my wife and I was like, I think that's Michael Bain. It took and me yeah. a little longer than that. I, I think about halfway through the episode, I saw him and I said, I think it's Michael Bain. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I always think of that guy that we met in Texas who who had yep. the tombstone poster and he had everybody you know sign it. And when he met Michael Bain, he said he said he signed right over his face. And he was like, <laughs> and he was like, well, can you just sign over here? And Michael Bean, without even looking at him, just signed right across his face. <laughs> and so I, I don't know how good a guy Michael Bean is, but, but it was good to see him again. I mean, we have a lot of love for him being Terminator yep. and, and in Tombstone and uh, aliens. And yeah, aliens. I mean, oh, yeah. How could I forget Hicks? You know, it's good to see him working. It's good to see all these people back yep. in the in the focus. This is the role that he plays so well too, man. It's 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 just like what you described. It's it's the guy that you come up and meet and he he's kind of good guy, <laughs> bad guy all at the same time. Yeah, I'll sign your poster, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. And uh, so he's perfect in this role because he's that guy where hey, I don't have any quarrel with you, but I'll shoot you when you're not looking. I mean, he's he's that kind of guy, ex-military. They kind of say, but what I want to talk about, even though I love Michael Bain. The the HK eighty seven assassin droids, man. I I love these things. There's only you only get to see a couple of them, and they're not incredible, but I love them because they remind me so much of of the droids that are on uh, the black hole, and I think it's the stiffness of them, right? Because right. we've gotten so used to droids that will talk and you know communicate, and these things are just stiff. Move very robotic. Uh, that's what they feel like to me. Totally expressionless. They have no voice or anything that really gives you an expression. Uh, there's something I really like about them because there's they're just made to do what they do, and that's it. They don't put any kind of you know relationable thing behind them. And something I really like about them, and they look awesome. They kind of got the German war helmet kind of thing going on, and robot face. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I I definitely, you know, I, I definitely agree. I, I think that the Assassin Droid series are often between the IG-11 series, the IG-88, the IG yep. series, and and like Forlom. They have kind of rounded features yep. to make them look a little more human, like somebody was trying, but then they just kind of gave up for functionality. And then, you know, all their joints, like their hips and stuff are real thin. Um, yep. And, you know, if you watch uh, Revenge of the Sith, Right, Revenge of the Sith at the beginning, Grievous has like eight mm-hmm. of these dudes, and they have those shock quarter staffs. And yeah. the, you know, those guys would have been better suited to fight fight Ahsoka Tano. These guys have been outfitted with guns, so they're probably more like suppression of of you know an uprising. Yeah. But um, yeah, well, I love Left the ones. <laughs> there's one scene you know comes later where where one of these guys grabs a hold of a of a of a gutter on a low hanging roof. And and vaults yeah. himself up, and he kind of does a Absolutely. does a somersault, and it's like he he lifts and rolls, and it's very mechanical, but it's also really cool. Yeah. I've I've got it wrote down. He rolls up the roof. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it looked great. Yeah, that was I was impressed with that too. But 
you know, these things, again, you know, they don't make them out to be the thing to look out for. I mean, they're just assassin droids. So you send them on their mission and that's it. But yeah, I love the fact that Ahsoka Tato just basically says, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so moving along with the plot, I mean, these guys, um, so you got uh, Den showing up with the child. And they, yep. they, they pull down onto the, the surface of the planet, and Den's like, uh, you know, I think I'll head on into this town, and we'll try and get some leads. And nobody will talk to him. You know, it's very much the town that dreaded sundown. sundown. They've got, um, yep. you know, they've got a despot as a, as a magistrate, and they're afraid to say anything to anybody. And, and it's not long before one of the faceless guard guys comes up and says, hey, the magistrate wants to talk to you because we got to get this plot moving. <laughs> yeah, and the fact of... Of course, all I could think was Vlad the Impaler when he's walking up to that temple gate and you get those people in those torture chamber things. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, she's sending the message to everybody there that I'm in charge and this is what happens when you don't do what I tell you to do. And uh, just, you know, displaying them. And those are pretty cool, too, because the, the electric shock and you see their skeleton when they get shocked. Yeah. 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 But, I mean, it's, it's horrifying. Yeah. Yeah, so it does the job and keeps everybody at bay and nobody rebels because they ain't got no hats. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, because the sun beats down on them all day. Uh, oh, but he meets but yeah. with uh, he meets with the magistrate and you know she yep. she says I've got a problem. It's a Jedi problem, and he's like, oh, you know, you can't afford me. And she's like, oh, try me. And she yeah. produces what a spear made of solid Beskar, right? Pure Beskar. Yeah, right. He even got, gives it the cling test where he right. pops it on a piece of his armor and goes, bing, and it just rings, you know. It's like a tuning fork kind of deal where, you know, like I guess when Beskar meets Beskar, you know, it's pure. It makes this ring. And, you know, they haven't gone into that, but obviously just the storytelling, you know exactly what's going on. He's testing it for purity, and she's like, that's right, pure Beskar. <laughs> and, you know, she tells him it'll be his if he, he saw. Do you? And I'm going to ask you, do you think – that spear would be his if he had actually completed this or if she would have just killed him. It, you know, you don't know with this character, right? I mean, that's that's the thing is, uh, I don't know. I, I, being that she was obviously scared of Asanko, uh, I think it's very possible, but easily could back out back out of the gig or the deal too. So everybody else does with him, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's Look. true. We had a deal. I held up my head. I mean, he says that pretty much every episode now. So <laughs> it's true. It's true. I mean, and I thought the the spear was cool, and you know, and yeah, and then you find out what Beskar does when it encounters lightsabers, which is it blocks it. Right. Yep. And we get a good shot of that too because he gets the information he wants from her, even yeah. though she feels like you know the deal is he's going to go out and do this job, and you know she hired him, but. It gives him the information he's looking for because his whole point is to find Ahsoka Tano and deliver the child. And they meet up, and at first they don't like each other. <laughs> well, you know, I, I want to talk about this scene for just a second because yeah. the second time I watched it, I, I realized he, he takes off his um, his rifle scope and he's scanning the horizon and he just sees those those long-legged dewbacks out there. And, um, <laughs> and he... He looks across and he's like, "Well, I guess it was a false alarm." And about the time he he drops the the thing, he Ahsoka Tano's on him with the lightsaber, right? And it is yep. absolutely 
this scene from the first Star Wars where Luke Sand people. Yeah, yep. he has the he has the viewers and he and he's looking across and he goes, Huh, Bantha's out there, but I don't see any sand people. And then you know, he gets attacked. <laughs> it, it's this it's the same setup and everything. Yeah. There's up, several of those in this episode. It's man. so good because it's so familiar. When he's landing the ship, you've got the guy out there with the scanner that's scanning the ship when it goes by and it looks just like like Yavin either, Four. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, with so, the rebel base at the end of, of A New Hope. Right. Yeah. I didn't catch that one, but I, I'm sure I noticed. Yeah. And this this episode is just full of those tips of the hats. To, even in the soundtrack, you hear hints of Yoda's theme and stuff. You hear part of the Tatooine theme with, with the sun. The, the two suns are setting. Yeah. There's a little piece of that. Very similar. So, yeah, they're really pulling all this stuff out. Of course, we've, we've got to mention, too, that David Filoni directed this, which... He's kind of the co-creator of Asaka Tano. So there's been a lot of hoopla about that being a factor, too, because uh, that's that's a Star Wars fanboy kind of dream, right? Is this guy's like, oh, right, right. Like people look at Kevin Smith, you know? <laughs> yeah, I um, I actually watched the little, you know, the Disney Plus has got a little, um, you know, making of the show thing where they do a roundtable with the directors from the first season. And I hadn't yeah. watched it, but um, Lois cut it on after we were done with the episode. And it really was entertaining to watch the uh, the directors of the first season just jumping in there. Yeah. And coming from this, they have a little battle, which is very reminiscent of stuff that's from Return of the Jedi because he uses this grappling rope on her, and she goes up and over a limb, and it pulls him up, and he gets smart enough to undo himself, unlatch himself from it, so he lands back down. But they're just kind of showing that, you know, there's always been this rift between the Mandalorian and the Jedi. And um but he finally stops her and says, Hey, you know, I'm 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 here to, to talk to you about something and she sees the baby. She says, Well I hope it's about him. Yeah. And it, it, again, it's a little short blast of action right here, but it's very well done. And uh, Rosario Dawson, I mean, come on. Uh, I, the, the casting that they're doing in these shows now, incredible. I agree. And, you know, I was thinking of uh, how Ahsoka is an alien, and therefore they, 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 they need to find somebody who bears a resemblance, but there are a lot of things that they can do with prosthetics to make her look like the character that was originally rendered, you know, as a CGI animated character. But, you know, they could have also gone way off course. And, and they've done a great job of making sure that everybody they cast is, is true to the character. Uh, right. And, you know, one of the things that I wanted to point out, you know, and I don't want to get too deep into this, but, you know, in this time of inclusion, you know, where, where so many protagonists we've had growing up were just white dudes who, you know, you and I, we would definitely, you know, appreciate that. I mean, we're white dudes. But, um, yeah, one of the things I think The Mandalorian brings is they can – they can make him a protagonist, and since they never show his face, you can kind of put yourself in that role. He's he's not yep. he's not a specific kind of person, and so in that way, a lot of people can can um, can acquaint themselves as the as the protagonist here. I think it's cool. Sure. I think that's why they probably don't want to move too far away from the "I don't remove my helmet" thing, because in that way, he's he's kind of an everyman. Yep, which is. I think a lot of the heroes that we've grown up with, you think about all of our masked 
heroes we grew up with, Spider-Man, all this stuff. You know, even though we know otherwise yeah. that he's just a white dude with a camera, but when he's masked up, it could be anybody, right? Yeah. And I think that's you're exactly nailing it right here. Is <clears throat> yeah, could be you, could be me, could be anybody, could be a guy from Pluto, right? And that's what makes it work. And that's just the beauty of Star Wars in general. I mean, I know that's a Star Trekky kind of uh, trope that they used, right? Because it was always about the universal thing, which yeah. Star Wars is the same way. So, but yeah, they they meet each other, and he says, "Look." I've been on a mission trying to find you to deliver this baby. And she sits down with the baby and they start communicating, which I think is done very well because what I didn't like about the sign language in the sand people conversation thing here, you don't have to have it, right? It's understood because they're using the force right. to react to each other's feelings. And I really like that. Um, you don't have to explain everything. You see her nod. And she's getting information, and there's communication happening, but you don't have to hear words. And she comes back and tells uh, the Mando that his name is Grogu. So we get a, finally a name for the baby, Grogu. And she talks about he was raised in the Jedi Temple in Coruscant. And, of course, when everything hit the fan, somebody, this is a big thing too, somebody came and took him from the temple. I feel like there's going to be a a lead into that somehow. I just happened to, for some reason I caught it the second time around and it just stood out to me that wait a minute somebody you know well, it was obviously a whole bunch of weakway who were going to set up this like you know sandy base camp on a desert world and just wait <laughs> okay. no 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 I'm, I mean <laughs> I, I I I heard that too, and I wondered. I was like, "Well, how did he end up where he ended up?" You know, because he was in some kind of like you know, there were all these outlaws in this in this right. base camp. You know, they had him in a crib. But what was going on there? Uh, so I guess yeah. between point A and point B is a story in itself. I mean, the fact that they 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 don't say that he was just a little toddler is being kept. I mean, he was being trained by Jedi masters. Yeah, at which, this young age. Again, that's one of those things where I just, you know I I'm, I'm not really poking holes in the story. I mean, he was young. He was an infant. So there were, there were, I guess there were limits to what he could uh, comprehend. But I find okay. this whole thing really interesting that for, you know, 20 years before the 30 years that he was, I guess, the, the darkness in his history before um, the Mando finds him, it's, it's an interesting thought that, you know, he went through some kind of training and while he was a baby. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, you know, you do the you do the Yoda math, right? Nine hundred, you become. So, I mean, their lifespan is huge. So they may stay an infant for a lot longer than normal, but they still have the ability to gain knowledge. They just probably can't communicate it. So that's an interesting twist. Um, but I still think somewhere down the line, this someone who took him thing might pop back up, um, and we'll see. But. Uh, I love coming out of that and the explanation of all this stuff that you got Ahsoka Tano setting the force straight again, right? Hey, the force is in everything, right? right? <laughs> you know how I feel about all that. I mean, I'm, I'm every time they do that, it's, it's kind of like when you go to Texas Frightmare and Tom Holland says something, you stand up and clap. That's the way <laughs> I was when she, when she delivered this line because I'm like, yes, because 
that's the way it should be. You don't need the explanation of how and why. It's just the right. fact of it's in everything. You either have it or you don't. And, you know, the possibility that everybody could have it is a nice possibility, but chances are you don't. Right. <laughs> right. And I know the sequels get a lot of get a lot of flag, but I, I think the the last Jedi, they tried to kind of give it a, hey, you know, there's no hereditary force thing here you know you don't have to be in in the right family you don't have to be in the royal family to to inherit the force and they were trying to step away from that and people you know i'm not going to get on on all the fans um (laughs) and people people didn't like it so they moved back from there and you know so so there you go but yeah just like yoda said when you're first learning about the force really is that it's it's between all living things and everything yep. has a little bit of it, and some people have a lot of it, and some things are more attuned to it. And I, yep. I do agree. I like the way she did this too, because because you know Din was like, "Yeah, he can do these things." You mean his powers? And she yeah. kind of rolls her eyes, like, yeah. "It's the Force. It's not his yeah. powers. It's his attunement to the power." And yeah. I really like the fact that she's like, "Oh, you you simple cretin," <laughs> you know, right? Which I mean, he's even he's even getting it from his own kind, right? Because oh, you're one of those. <laughs> you know? Yeah, he's got a lot to learn, right? You know, he's a, he's a yeah. formidable opponent, but he's got a lot to learn about life, and that's that's pretty uh, cool too. Which is another factor of why we like him, right? Because he's he's the Bruce Campbell, right? Hey, I'm just winging it here. I'm just doing what I can. I don't know everything. Hold on. There you go. <laughs> And you know, so so she says, you know, tomorrow we'll we'll test him and see how this goes. And the next day, she she levitates a pebble over to him, yeah. and uh, sees if he can, le- you know, to levitate it back. And and this is where you get kind of kind of Din as a as a father, you know, where he's like, mm-hmm. come on, come on, show him what you can do, show him what you can do. And when when yeah. he doesn't, you know, I think he kind of believes that she doesn't believe that it'll happen because. He's been through this whole scenario where he's telling people about it, and I'm sure people have said, "Yeah, you, whatever. This baby can levitate stuff, whatever." But um, yeah. he's trying to prove it to somebody that it really matters now, and the baby yeah. isn't performing. You know, it's like that that frog from from Looney Tunes. You know, that won't sing. Um, <laughs> oh, that's a so. great example. It's a great example. <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, you know, you can hear the little groans. Oh, come on, you know." And, but he manages to do it by you know there, there's that little little trinket that goes on the end of his, his shifter dial in the, um, in yeah. the, the razor crest. And the, the child has, has unscrewed it and taken it early to, to have it as his toy. And he says, Oh, I know what you want. And he lifts up that, that trinket and it entices the, the child, the uh, Grogu into, yep. into levitating it to himself. And he's like, see, see what you can do. It, it's very, <laughs> a proud father moment. And I really liked it. And I like how he's kind of Han Solo-ish, too, because he's, come on, kid. You can do it, kid. See yeah. there? You know, he's got those kind of mannerisms. And you're right. It's that proud papa kind of thing. Because this is also a way for him to close a chapter right here, right? See? There you go. He did it. He's yours. There you go. See y'all later. And right. that's kind of what he's wanting is to get on with his life. Because, you know, he's he's got things to do. But this is taking priority. So, yep, he tells her, hey. There you go. I need your help. My task was to get him here. You're supposed to take him from here. And she says, hey, I can't train him. 
because she sensed a lot of anger in him, right? Or a lot of fear in him. It was his connection to to Den and that, you know, and we've seen that when when someone has too much connection to one person or or one, yeah, one person, it, it really makes it to where they feel like they can justify all these things. And with the power that the child obviously has with the force, it, it could cause a problem, and Ahsoka knows what that looks like firsthand. Yeah, and I, I love uh, her referring to the dangers, which, I mean, how many times have we seen a Jedi Master go, yep, I'm not training you. I mean, <laughs> it happens all the time, right? Yeah, What yeah, do you they, mean? I, I came all this way. Yeah, well, I'm not training you. Nope, you're too old. Nope, you're too ugly. I mean, whatever the excuse is. Yeah, they're very love, selective. Yep. Yeah. I, I love, though, that she refers to the anger and she's seen it happen to the to the best of them, right? And she's referring, obviously, to Anakin, which who, who was her teacher. And so she has that fear because she's sensing that same thing with, with uh, baby Groku the same way. And um, I can't help you, but uh, I can't help training, but, uh, you know. We'll see what happens. He's like, hey, how about this? I know you got this problem with this little village. I help you, and you train him. I, I love the, you know, so, so this happens twice in the episode where where um, Den's talking to um, Elspeth, and he says, hey, you know, tell me where this Jedi is. He doesn't say, I'll go kill her. He says, tell me where the Jedi yeah. is, because this is what he wanted to do anyway. Similarly, uh, Ahsoka says, I'll help you. And he says, I'll help you with your problem. You see to it that Grogu is properly trained. I, I wrote down right. the quote because I was like, oh, you know, they were cl- they were careful to make sure that if, if, if um, Ahsoka agreed to this, she wasn't being a liar. You know, she right. says, look, you know, but she says, okay, we'll see to it that he's properly trained. It doesn't necessarily mean that Ahsoka continues on as the trainer. Right. And I, I thought it was a cool way to make the dialogue, keep everybody true to their, you know. To, sure. Yeah, leave leave her a loophole. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and and then of yeah. course right afterward he mentions her laser swords, which uh, whenever laser swords are mentioned, it, it brings a <laughs> smile to everybody's face because it's like you know it's a lightsaber, but they don't right. It, yeah. so, so your laser swords won't, won't help you here. You know, it's it's just a <laughs> it's a great it's it's a great trope that keeps coming up. Yeah, and this is where. She gives the backstory of who Morgan is, where she came from, from the Clone Wars, where she became this instrument of the Empire. Uh, you know, just enough to reassure you again, this is a bad person. And uh, then all of a sudden, man, <laughs> we get back to that front gate of that village, and it is on. It is on. <laughs> Let me just say, everything about this, the the music, the pacing, the yeah. just just... And, and and I I don't know that I've said it, but this episode is awesome. Yeah. It is it is probably yeah. the culmination of every episode coming so far, where yeah. where it's just like now you've seen the the Mandalorian way. Now you're suddenly seeing them interact with the Jedi, and they have this adol rivalry. It's like a different kind of gunslinger coming into town that's just as good. Yeah, and you know her climbing up the bell tower of the wall and just dicing through these people and then splitting that bell in half oh yeah <laughs> it was awesome i mean she, she 
you know, she 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 goes fast and furious. She's she's blocking, you know, blaster shots with with like a baseball bat. You know, she's she's knocking them all back. She kills these guys, and then they've got this warning bell that they've been hitting, and it's probably oh like like fifteen feet across, and it probably weighs two tons. And she just yeah. chops it in half, and the thing falls into town square. It's just <laughs> awesome. And then it cuts to. Uh, Morgan and her group coming out from behind the wall of the temple because they know something's happening. Right. And there she stands. Ahsoka Tano's down at the end of this long walkway, and it's straight up out of a samurai flick. I mean... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You got the little lanterns that are blowing in the air and the smoke behind her, and she's walking towards them. Yeah, man. It's just... It's so good. It's so it, good. It's incredible. Yeah, and, and like it's yeah, again, it's it's that gunslinger walk. She starts walking toward him and and you know that you know, she's not gonna take no for an answer. She's here to get it done. Right. And you know, we, I guess at this point you're starting to wonder, you know, where's Den? And I, I knew at that point, I, I was like, you know, Mando's job is the hostages. Cause yeah. Ahsoka says, you know, we need to get the hostages free before anything. She she knows that Elspeth is willing to kill them. And she mm-hmm. she knows that she has to do what she has to do, so she's kind of okay with it. But she doesn't want to be complicit, so she makes it a, a priority to save these hostages. And and when you don't see Mando in, in this first sequence, you know that's his job. Yeah. Well, she even takes a piece of his armor and throws it down and says, "Your bounty hunter failed." Ooh, good call. To kind of let them know that you know, oh, uh, you know, he's that. That's the reason he's not in this picture because he's no longer with us. I took care of business. That's right, and it's a great, you know, it's it's a great subterfuge there, you know, because they don't know what happened. They figure he was going out to get it. the 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 spear was on the line, and they know he wants that, and they yeah. don't know anything about his his other his other job. There's a moment that we didn't mention where where Michael Bean looks at the the child in his little satchel, and he's like, "What's that thing?" And <laughs> yeah. Amanda's like, "I keep it for luck," you know. So it's, they don't even they don't even have a guess as to why he's really there. He was just a dude drifting in town, and they figured, hey, a Mandalorian, this is our solution to the Jedi problem. And right. so for all intents and purposes, they have every reason to believe that that uh, Ahsoka beat him. Yeah. And so she she releases the dogs on him, so you get you know, several of these henchmen, you get the, the assassin droids, even Michael Bain. They all start chasing after her, and she turns to what's left there and says, assassinate them. So she's wanting them to kill... The hostages that are hanging around, and then they said she says, then after that, go door to door. So not only kill these hostages, kill everybody in the town, because right. she's just that kind of person. And she walks away, and the door shuts behind her. And then, who saves the day? That's right. Den swings in, saves the day, and starts freeing the hostages. And you start seeing people coming out in the street. There's one guy in particular who ends up being who used to be the I don't know the mayor of the whatever, town yeah. or the mayor, yeah. And you know, he comes out and gives him a little, gives Den a little head nod, like man, whew, that was a close one. And then when he's doing that, you see one of the, uh, the assassin droids is on the roof. He's like, "Look out behind you!" And he shoots him in the face real quick. It's just it's so great. <laughs> it's so great. Oh uh, yeah, it's it's and, it's good stuff. And of course, she's just you know she's separating these people that are chasing her. When you know, Asana Taco's just, <laughs> Asana Taco, <laughs> Asana Taco, 
I kind of want an asana taco this morning. <laughs> Good morning. I gave you an asana taco. <laughs> but she's <laughs> she's got them she's got them separated, and she's just knocking them off, just a pair at a time. Even splits one of the assassin droids in half. Yeah. And that's when the one rolls up the roof. That's so cool. But that's the one that that uh, Mando ends up shooting in the face. And uh, so he's keeping guard there at the front gate of the temple. And Michael Bane comes running back. Well, not Michael Bane, but Lang. You're right. And uh, and so here we go. Now you got your two guys. You kind of got the high noon, you know, gunslinger kind of thing happening here. But inside the temple. Uh, Asana's gotten in there, and she's facing off with Morgan, and it's just incredible. Oh yeah, I mean, so earlier when when um, when Mando went and talked to her about the job, you know, she's sitting in this. I guess it's like a Japanese reflection garden. You know, it's got like the pool, and it's got l- yeah. a lot of little pagodas and lanterns, and um, and so y- you have this setting. And it's like the end of Kill Bill or, or you know, like I said, any samurai kung fu movie. There's this garden that this this last battle is going to occur in. And, and Ahsoka shows up and, and you know, and uh, Elspeth or Morgan Elspeth, you know, brings out her Beskar spear. And you know at this point that the Beskar can block the, the lightsaber because it happened in the fight between uh, right. between Din and, and Ahsoka. So they just start going, and you know it's it's a great melee combat. You know, Ahsoka with twin lightsabers, and uh, and and Morgan with with her with her Besker spear, and at the same time, you've got <laughs> you've got Lang and Mando who and Lang's like, oh, so you threw in with the with the Jedi, huh? And Mando's like, yeah, looks like it. And they're just <laughs> kind of standing, there. and so Lang Lang starts saying, oh, you know, let's just uh, let's just see what happens. And so they start yeah. listening over the wall. Like you know, if your if your guy wins, then I guess we'll fight. And if my guy wins, then maybe I'll just walk away. And uh, you know, that's the kind of guy Lang is. You know, he's he's not mm-hmm. looking to die for honor. He just wants to collect a paycheck. And if right. his employer's gone, he's he's out too. Yeah, yeah. And even even through that whole conversation, look, I don't have any quarrel with you. And he acts like he's going to walk on past uh, Den. And he's like, hold on, that's far enough. And he puts his hand at his blaster. So you realize right there that. This is not going to end well. <laughs> right, right. And yeah. uh, go ahead. I was just, and, and, and you know, so you got these two showdowns occurring. And I mean, the fight between Ahsoka and, and, and Morgan is just fantastic. That's all yeah. I need to say. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's top notch. It's, I mean, if you drew it out for another 10 or 15 minutes, it would be, you know, equivalent to the big fights that we've seen in the movies. Yeah. And I mean, it's really, really that good. And uh, at the end of it, Ahsoka has the saber at her throat and says, <laughs> "Tell me where Thrawn is." I think she even says, "She says, where's Grand Admiral Thrawn?" Doesn't she? Right. Yeah. I mean, so this is apparently who she answers to, her boss. Um. Which is that opens a whole another can of worms in the Star Wars universe. So yeah, yeah, so so you mean like if 
this is my this is my issue with canon. You know, like it's canon until it's not, and then when you want it to be canon again, you bring it back in. And so there's no sense in ever even writing a story and trying to pretend it's part of a continuation. But I digress. I, right. I've read the Heir to the Empire series. Uh, Heir to the Empire, um, Last Command is the last one, and the uh, Phantom Brigade, I think, is the second one. I'll I'll have to look them up, but they are fantastic books. And the protagonist in that that has taken over the the failing empire is Grand Admiral Thrawn, yep. and he is just awesome. So yep. you know when when I heard that I, I was I had to admit I was a little excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so you know, here we go again, right? So again, what we've talked about, what we love about what they've done so far with this is being able to tie in all of the different stories and stuff. Now, it's amazing that it's working as well as it is now. So you're even reaching, like you said, how do you... (laughs) It's canon at one point, now it's not, and you're still bringing these factors into everything. Just It blows my mind. It it does make you wonder, okay, how are you going to tie all this in? And again, that ties us all the way back to who took him out of the Jedi Council so, again, it's that thing of we're giving you answers, but we're going to open up a whole other can of questions for you. Yeah, I suppose it just depends on how much history you think you can cram into 30 years, right? Because that's the way it goes. Is Between all these movies and shows, they're giving you a span of a couple of decades. And they're saying, hey, easily in a couple of decades, there could be a rise and fall of the Imperial Remnant. You know, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, that did happen. And still the sequels did occur and it's still part of a plot line. It's watching history get filled in and they're just deciding what does and doesn't belong, you know, from the the early works. And Timothy Zahn did a fantastic thing with those three books. I don't know what they're going to do with it in The Mandalorian. It it seems pretty... um, uh, honored it's uh it's pretty um faithful to the the history as it is and i i have high hopes but man yeah you know you always hear the book is better than the movie if you want to read those three books i highly recommend them they're great yeah and, and another thing too is you know I, something that i realized too is after the fight after she holds uh, Ahsoka holds the, the saber up to Morgan's neck and says, tell me where Thrawn is. That's all you see. Yeah. Right? So we don't know that Morgan was killed? Nope. We don't know if she even found out where Thrawn was. Right. So, again, more, more questions to focus on later on. But the great thing is, is the village has been freed and they're going back to life before these morons showed up and tore up everything. And um, we kind of get where Ahsoka has Morgan's spear, which could lend to she killed her. Yeah. Or maybe she just left. Give me that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And she gives it to Mando, says, hey, you, you know, here's your reward. And he's like, I can't take that. I didn't finish the job. (laughs) Well, but ends up taking it, and he goes back to get uh, Grogu, and we get the speech again, right? I can't train him. Yeah, yeah. And I just want to say that, like, at the end here, during this celebration, you get kind of like a pan flute rendition of the Mandalorian yeah. theme that's awesome. 
it, it has every <laughs> is the trappings of Endor at the end of uh, Return of the Jedi, and you know it's it's the Mandalorian theme, but it's it's you know it's upbeat and kind of kind of whistly with you know like is it kind of a pan flute sound? It's it's Zamfir. pretty awesome. <laughs> Zamfir blasting it out, sitting over on a, a box of, I don't know. <laughs> he's sitting in the set over there. He's the new the new mayor is Zamfir over there with uh with with Mako. <laughs> Never fear, Zamfir is here. Oh! <laughs> but you know, um, to to your point, then then you know they they go back to to Mando and and Grogu and and uh. He says, okay, well, it's time to unload this kid. You know, good luck training him. And she says, I, I can't do it. But yeah, if you take him to uh, an ancient temple on what, Tython. I had to write Tython. it down because I didn't want to say yeah. Python. <laughs> if you take him to Tython where there's an ancient temple, and we all know how ancient temples go, if you know anything about Masasai and where Yavin for and all that stuff, then, right. um, you know, he can, he can, become a beacon of the force on the, on the, the apex of this ancient Jedi temple. And maybe a Jedi will sense him and come to help you. Yeah. What are the chances? Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> I, of course, in my mind, I'm going, why don't she didn't have to train him? Well, she just, you know, keep him just guard him. You don't have to train him. Yeah. I mean, I guess she, she, just like Mando, she's like, I got stuff to do and I can't have a kid hanging around, which is kind of his whole thing. Right. He's like, I've got stuff to yeah. do. And this baby is really slowing me down. She's too busy doing the Captain Kirk. Thrawn! Thrawn! <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, she obviously has some kind of a, a mandate because she knows Thrawn's out there and she must realize how dangerous he is. And yeah. uh, well, with the Empire coming back, it's absolutely something that she needs to be on. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, Mendo loads up again. He's just like, well, crap. <laughs> on the road again. He, he flies off, and that's kind of where the episode ends. But I'm sure that we're going to see these characters a bit more as, as this rolls on. Yeah, again, Man. it's a fantastic episode. The pacing is on point. <laughs> the music is great. The characters are, are, are alive. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, and just, you know, getting to see these characters that have become iconic through the books and the animated series, it's really a treat to, to, to get to experience these in live action. And again, I, I can't say it enough, the casting they're doing for these is just, you, you couldn't get any better. And uh, yeah, fantastic episode. Agreed. I You know, I... I I give it a, a full-throated recommendation. It, it's it's yeah. the best one so far. And I'm starting to see more and more people starting to lighten up and start checking the show out, too. Not necessarily this podcast, but the actual Mandalorian show, because I know a lot of people were hesitant. Because, you know, yeah, you get burned, and you feel like, ah, oh, they're just crapping on my childhood again. But I'm seeing more and more people come around, and everybody is really saying what we've been saying along. Wow, this is really, really good. So... Um, yeah, I couldn't be happier where this thing is going and the possibilities that it opens up for other series. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can see what it looks like when it's done right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's all I got, man. Uh, me too. Me too. I just wanted to say, you know, I, if you're cool. listening to the show and you enjoy the, the, the Mandalorian, then, you know, we're glad that we can bring this to you. Um, and 
I, I absolutely enjoy doing this. If there's anything that you want us to add, if there's any trivia you want us to do, we can do our job and try and bring you something extra. But sure. uh, just enjoy yep. us if, if we do. And if you don't, then let us know what we can do. Well, I did see where, and I, I didn't, I mean, I, we tapped on a few of them, but, you know, I saw where somebody said there was 53 Easter eggs in this episode. And I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> you know, so obviously the diehard fans are going to point out things that, that we may not be that familiar on. But at the same time, again, we we know we're not the know-all, see-all of the Star Wars universe, but we just know that we really love it. <laughs> yeah, and, and we're glad to share it with you. If you are one of those people that caught all 55 or you watched it until you got them all, yeah, we're glad to share this with you. And if you're like, man, these guys don't know anything, well, more power to you. We just recorded an episode that's longer than the episode itself. So right. <laughs> that, that ought to tell you something. But, uh, folks, we will do this again. We will see you next week. Don't forget to check out our other show, the Helming Power Hour we're cranking out some stuff over there, too, so hope you enjoy that, and we will see you later on. I have spoken. I've never met a real Mandalorian. Heard stories. They were good at killing. Find Ahsoka Tano. Tell her you were sent by Bo-Katan. This is the way. <laughs>